1: And welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I am Carrie Charles, your host, and I want to thank you for joining me today. I have a very, very special guest, and he is someone that I greatly respect in the industry as well as a valued client, Josh Broder. He is the founder and CEO of Tilson, and I am so excited for this conversation today, Josh. Thank you for being on the show.
2: Hey, Carrie. Thanks for having me on.
1: So, Josh, today, you know, I want to talk a little bit about something that you know i do talk about from time to time on 5g talent talk and that is leadership looking at your journey how you got to where you are you know where how did tilson come to be you know and really digging in a little bit in that area because i think it's important as we move toward 5g to look at the leaders Behind five G. So, Josh, tell me about your journey and how did you get to where you are today? I mean, everything. I want to know what your first job was in your whole life.
2: (laughs) My first job was uh, being a sea kayak guide. Uh, (laughs) No way! Maine in the summers, and I think if you think about what being a guide is, it's actually just being a leader and making sure that everybody arrives uh, where they're supposed to go and that nobody gets hurt along the way. Uh, (laughs) And you're
1: still doing that today.
2: And I feel like I'm still doing that. When I was in high school, I knew that I really wanted to be a leader. And I was moved to join the Army. And I wound up taking a, a scholarship to go to college, the Army. And, you know, basically I had a normal college education. And then I owed them some time afterwards. And I would say, from that standpoint, I'm an intentional leader, but I'm actually an accidental technologist. So when I was in college, the deal was it put your nose to the grindstone and made your grades and did a good job in ROTC. You'd, you'd get a lot of preference in your assignment. And so I wanted to go to PAN to be a military intelligence officer, meaning I'd lead a group of people doing intelligence work in Asia. And I didn't wind up getting to do that, actually, when September 11th happened at the Pentagon, killed the group of people that were meeting to give us our assignments and burned our files and I wound up graduating from college and having no assignment from the army. So I got commissioned as a second lieutenant, which is like the most junior officer leader person. And they didn't know what to do with me. Along with my whole cohort, who was sort of administratively in limbo, just sort of teaching at the military studies department, where my RTC unit was in Vermont. And then I wound up being branched in the Signal Corps, which is the part of the army that does telecommunications. And I wound up going to Germany right before, I guess, the second invasion of Iraq, and Afghanistan was already going on. There was a bunch of stuff happening in other places. And so I wound up spending four and a half years, almost five, traveling around the world. I spent the whole time overseas. I spent oh. time in 22 countries and building a lot of networks. And so I'm an accidental technologist, but now I'm a recovery network engineer. So... To- <laughs> a recovering network engineer. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So I got to build a bunch of networks. And so I wound up in Leadership, which I had intended and, and got a lot of great leadership experience, but I also wound up learning about networks and really appreciated the capability of broadband networks to connect people over distance and to accomplish really great things together, despite, you know, geographic distance. And when I came back to the US, I was looking for a job. And I wound up going to work for a company called Tilson. I was a third employee. And at the time, the company was doing consulting only, wasn't building anything. And pretty quickly we got into building some networks, because that that was the thing that really interested me. And my then business partner had an opportunity to go work for some of my army buddies who were back in Europe running a defense contractor. And that sort of precipitated me buying the company when I was still real small, 10 or 15 employees. And so flash forward to today, a bunch of serendipity has led to a different business. But all of that meant I was an intentional leader and an accidental technologist.
1: Oh, I love it. How many employees do you have today, Josh?
2: We have about 600.
1: Wow. And in how many years was that from 10 employees to 600 employees? Uh, would you
2: say? About, I would say 2011, uh, we were probably 10 employees, 15 employees. So, oh. you know, it's been about 10 years.
1: Oh, that's incredible, incredible. So, let's talk a little bit more about Tilson. And Tilson is on a mission. I see it right there and I see it all day long on LinkedIn. Congratulations. I absolutely love that being a veteran myself, I can relate to that. So, who is Tilson? And talk about, you know, your services and really where you've come to because you're, you know, you are a different company now than you were then.
2: Yeah, that's true. So, today Tilson's on a mission to build America's information infrastructure. And we're really passionate about designing and building networks. We design wireless and fiber networks about 50-50. And we work for the cellular industry, wireline ISPs, providing broadband, both large and small, and also other non-carrier customers. We do a, quite a lot of work for uh, public utilities, in particular in power distribution and transmission. And We also work for some government agencies who use networks. And so we really view anybody who's a large-scale network owner as a potential customer. And in the last few years, we've also developed an infrastructure company that develops and markets smart city poles, towers, and does fiber commercialization for large fiber network owners. So like state DOTs who have intelligent transportation systems that want to get carrier customers, We, we help them with those big projects. So um, the business is a lot more diverse than it used to be. And sort of one of my pet projects right now is in scaling our smart infrastructure knock as a service business. So we design and build those networks, we maintain those networks, and increasingly our network-owning customers have asked us to do active monitoring of, of those uh, networks and self-dispatch. And so we have that active monitoring capability.
1: So let's look back at the military because I'm sure that there are things that you learned From your service. Thank you for your service, by the way. And there's things that you learned that really helped you in business. So what are some of those values, lessons, you know, that you learned in the military?
2: One of the things that's really meaningful about military service is that it comes with structured and institutional leadership training and a lot of real world opportunity to put that to work in practice. And you know, as I'm sure you saw in your service, at all ranks that leadership training, you know, comes into play. So, you know, in the military, if you have a group of three people, there's an expectation that the senior most person is going to take charge and be a leader of those other two people. And so there's very few people who are actually individual contributors. And no matter what your journey in the military is, if, if you're in it for, you know, more than a year, you wind up having some responsibility for other people. And I think, you know, part of that experience taught me that, you know, leadership is really a sacred trust. The idea that you're responsible for somebody else's you know, physical and life safety, emotional health, and you know, in the business context, actually in the military context to their career progression and their development. And all of those things are things that I've tried to infuse into Tilson.
1: Mm. Describe your leadership style. Did you have, you know, and how was it created? Did you have mentors, people that influenced you as a leader?
2: Yeah. So I had some incredible mentors along the way and, and still do today. I think, you know, leadership is a journey and I'm constantly learning. And you know, I look back at my old self and say, "Geez, uh, that old self was pretty naive." And so now, you know, the only thing you get with age is an appreciation of how little you know. Um, and so, <laughs> and yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> the farther I go, the more I realize what I didn't know before, and so you, you start to appreciate, you know, that there's some known unknowns uh, today. And so, I've had mentors all along the way. I think one guy in particular, Pat Carr, who was a a guy in the military who I reported to when I was in Afghanistan, and. And he was really focused on developing his teams and building capable leadership and management teams. And so as I think about today at Tilson, I'm at a place now with 600 employees where it honestly doesn't matter what I do throughout the day. I could sell hundred deals or operationally supervise a hundred projects, wouldn't move the needle, doesn't matter. I mean, all of the good things that happen in Tilson happen because of a capable and autonomous team. And so my main purpose today as a leader has been building and developing that growth senior management team um, who's really good at what they do and who is, who are culturally aligned and providing, you know, sort of broad cultural leadership in the company. And it's actually hard because as a recovering network engineer, I get pretty into the work. I like what we do. You have FOMO
1: sometimes, right? I do. I
2: do. <laughs> but I've never been happier about the quality of the senior team that we have today. And a big part of my job is making sure the conditions are right for their success and, and staying out of their way a little bit.
1: <laughs> so, Let's talk about the Tilson culture. This is something to be admired. And I've known you for a long time. I mean, I say a long time in the industry. I've been in the industry, what, over almost six years, and that's nothing compared to most people. But, you know, I've really watched Tilson grow. And I've also heard, you know, being in staffing from candidate after candidate saying, I wanna work for Tilson. Do you know anybody at Tilson? And, you know, give, calling us and talking about Tilson. So. Obviously, you've created and your team has created an amazing culture. Talk about the benefits and the values of that culture.
2: Yeah. So, when we think about the culture, Tilson, it's less about what we say and more about what we do. And so, we hire and retain based on our core values. And, you know, like many organizations that have, you know, a codified set of values that they can, you know, articulate and pass along. We have some things that are be familiar in a, in a bunch of companies, you know, things like integrity and respect. But we have a couple that are different that we don't often see in other people's corporate value stacks, and that's sort of how we think about differentiating ourselves. And those are uh, safety and composure. And on the safety side, it wouldn't be unusual for you know a company that has guys climbing towers and you know digging around gas lines to view life safety as like core value to operate. But we take that sort of another step and say like, look, we're willing to be at a financial disadvantage if it means that we're doing the right thing from a safety perspective and we don't view safety as purely physical. We also think about emotional safety and the idea that people can be their full selves at Telson. So Telson's like a super diverse group of people who come from all backgrounds and categories and you know they're bound together by a common mission, not just to build America's information infrastructure, but to take care of each other. And so we'd like to think that it's a place where people can be their best selves at work and where they're really accepted. And then we take it a click further and say, there's also a psychological safety uh, that happens. And that's the safety to to screw up or make a mistake or express an opinion. And the idea is, is that we're a stronger team. You know, if people feel empowered to act and take some risk. And so that's a core value that we not just talk about, but we hire and fire around. Uh, The other is composure. And so our customers often engage us to do the hardest, scariest, most difficult thing they've ever done before, because we're a growth company. Sometimes that's true for us too. And I'd like to think, right, right. One of the things they're buying from us is not just like getting the work done confidently, but maintaining our composure and working through it, working through the inevitable problems and stumbling blocks and relational difficulties and the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of you know hundred million dollar projects over three years, you know, out on the streetscape. And so, one of the things we bring to those projects is our composure. And by keeping our composure and our client work, it makes it a nice place to work, right? Because we're not yelling and screaming at each other. You know, we're really focused on you know finding solutions and. You sort of recognize the inevitability that's going to be hard and messy. And so by having confidence that we'll find our way through any challenge, you know, makes it a little bit of a different place to work. And we sometimes say, you know, the work is really hard, but it doesn't have to be a hard place to work Mm. uh, for for that
1: reason. I love that. Now you have a strong sense of corporate purpose, and we talked about this before. How is Tilson's why different?
2: Yeah, so, you know, we look at our why both internally and externally. And so this mission of building America's information infrastructure, I think, has come into sharp relief during the pandemic period. I think everybody not just intuitively understands, but literally understands, you know, what it means to have your whole life be online. And so we recognize just the power of connecting people and just how important that is for access to education, healthcare, and work opportunities. And so as we think about our other why is that, you know, we're on a mission to arrive there together and make sure that our team members can be their best selves. And that's led to a different kind of peer group and a different kind of support. It's not competitive. It's really collaborative. And that's had the effect of attracting a lot of military veterans. So you know, we have a lot of military veterans in the company, not because they've defined the culture, but I think they're magnetically attracted to a place where the sense of arriving together and taking care of each other you know, is sort of part and parcel to the work. A common archetype of someone that we hire is someone that maybe is disillusioned, maybe they've come out of the military, they have spent a couple of years and it's, gosh, you know, like everything is about my individual achievement and not about the team's success. And that leads to some kind of crazy behaviors. I'm looking to get back to sort of more team mission focused environment. And so we've gotten that feedback from our returning veterans. And we think that's why it's compelling for them.
1: Hmm. So let's talk about COVID-19. How has how has COVID impacted your culture? And also, how are you handling the workforce challenges of today, such as remote work? And I mean, I could go on and on, but how are you dealing with all of this?
2: Yeah. So, you know, the first thing is that COVID has been really hard. It's been really hard for us, like like it has been for a lot of people and been a lot of personal tragedy on our team. Employees have lost spouses and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and cousins. Our bereavement leave you know, it's four or five times its normal annual average. And that's, keep in mind, that's at a time when nobody could go to funerals for most of that time period, right? Like people were having a more in private. And so it was a very, very hard year for those reasons. And getting beyond the existential, it was really hard just to operate. Like people had their kids at home. I had my kids at home. <laughs> it was a mess.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, I had my college kids at home. And then I had like probably five more.
2: It was hard to operate. And... The work we were doing was more important than ever. Like we had to deploy this infrastructure as quickly as we could because connecting just one person made a huge difference in a lot of lives. And so, you know, we've made it through to the other side. I, the pandemic is still going on; we're still facing business impacts there. But I feel like we've normalized what it means to operate in this world. And, and for us, that means actually living those two values that I mentioned: safety and composure. It's like it just wasn't flexible. We weren't going to let people get sick, and also we were going to keep our head on in a really difficult time period. And so. You know, as we look forward, some of the things we learned about how to operate during the pandemic period will be permanent. So we've already announced that for all of our white-collar jobs, people can work remotely as a matter of course. And then managers have some discretion to pull teams together uh, when they need to, when close collaboration is key. And so we're going to spend the next couple of years figuring out how best to have teams be connected to each other when they may be potentially remote, really long time. We have 20 offices around the country. So we already had cross-functional teams that were not physically located together, but we've had that permanent flexibility now in in remoteness. We've also gone through a lot of life situations for people. And so we've continued to tune our leave and absence policies to give people the kind of flexibility they need to live the kind of lives that they either want to live or have to live because of circumstance. And we think that benefits, you know, maybe industry leading there's a paid time off benefit for military members that are in the garden reserve so that they can, you know, get their full salary when they're not at work and they're doing their garden reserve work. You know, there's caregiver leave, you know, for people who have to take care of somebody who is somebody, I don't know. That's up to the employee, right? Is it, a, is it a parent or a sister or a best friend or I don't know, but, but life happens. We have a whole stack of different kinds of leaves that are very flexible and basically acknowledge that life is complicated and messy. Mm-hmm. And so for us, Sort of the COVID period, while we learned a lot, it was sort of an affirmation of our core values rather than changing our core values. And I think it helped us get through the other side. Now we're not immune to the kind of turn that everybody's seeing in the industry right now. Like lots of people are changing jobs, two years of you know, pent-up turnovers happening in a quarter, but we're doing better than average, I think. And from a talent recruitment standpoint, we get a lot of applications. So last year we only hired about one percent of the applications we got, and we hired a few hundred people. And so that means lots and lots of candidates are coming in the door. and, And sort of the flip side to what economists are calling the great resignation is while everybody's facing churn, everybody's getting a lot of applicants. And so those numbers are way, way up. And so we've actually taken this as a moment to say, okay, well, like what advantage can we find in this big churn moment? And so one thing we've done is we've said, look, if there's something you want to do at Tilson that's different than what you're doing, or if there's just something you want to do that's different, you can do it here. Right, We've got 150 open positions and we're happy to provide some flexibility. So we've done over the COVID period, close to 100 reassignments from one position to another. So people could try something out in their career as opposed to do it somewhere else. And I think as we move forward, we just recognize that job flexibility is a, it's just sort of a permanent part of the economy. And so we're trying to offer that flexibility internally.
1: Go back to diversity a bit, because... It's impressive how Tilson has maintained diversity company-wide, but you know, it's, a tough can, you know, it's a tough market out there. I mean, it's still difficult to find candidates, even though there's so many people leaving their jobs and applications, it's still very, very difficult in telecom. So how do you maintain diversity when it's tough to find candidates and you need those spots
2: filled? Diversity became a hotter topic for us during the BLM awakening in 2020. And you know, we were asking ourselves as a company, like, well, who are we? Are we doing a good job at this? Are there things that we could be doing that are different? And what we eventually honed in on were, were two things. One is let's diversify the board and, and get that right as a first step. And then we'll propagate that throughout the company. So that's something that we did in, in 2020 and early 2021. If folks are interested in our board, they can come go look at our website. And then, you know, the other thing that we looked at, we said, well, where are individual contributors and managers telling us that we're succeeding and failing in this area? And by and large, the feedback we got was doing a crummy job, having as diverse a candidate base as we could during the hiring process. And so ultimately, managers who are busy and trying to run and gun and get a project done were being presented with finalists who are from a relatively limited labor pool. And so we did a lot of work structurally to make sure we were casting a wider net for candidates and inviting candidates to join our search from all backgrounds and geographies and walks of life and ethnicity and gender, to pick a category. We said we want to make sure that we have the widest possible net for the best possible candidates. And it shouldn't come as a huge surprise to you that we started having much better searches with much better <laughs> candidates because we were exposed to a much broader group of people and talent and folks that, if our you know, got beyond who our manager knew and what I would say is today, we'll never go back. We love the broader candidate bases that we've discovered. And we think we have some work to do there still to uncover pockets of talent and capability you know, that we may not have thought to invite or didn't have access to before. And so that's really out- yielded much better hires for us.
1: Hmm. So Josh, I know you have such a strong commitment at Tilson to hiring veterans, but I have a question about where to find them, because I know there's uh, veterans have so many transferable skills for 5G, for telecom, but where do you go to find veterans to hire? Do a program?
2: Yeah. When when we started, we just hired everybody we knew. And so there (laughs) there were a lot of people from units that that we had all served in and and they were in the company too. We've sort of grown beyond that model being scalable. And so we look at it in a couple of ways. The first is we make it easier for veterans to find us. And we do a lot of outreach through veterans groups and other workforce transition assistance programs. And we've done some structural partnerships with workforce development organizations that do some reskilling and then we hire out of those programs. So we essentially provide, in some cases, financial support to the programs and then hire those groups and, and you know, make long term investments and reskill veterans. We've also had great success with an internship program called uh, the Department of Defense Skill Bridge Program. And we essentially, we think we're the the leader in in utilizing this program nationally for companies our size. And this essentially allows transitioning veterans to come work for us during their terminal leave period uh, for up to six months. And the DOD pays their salary and uh, we place them in an internship. And it requires actually a lot of sophistication to do this well. um, Because when you think about an intern, you know, intern generally refers to someone who's at the entry level. Um, they're getting their start. And by definition, folks who are making a transition out of the military are not at the entry level. They have a lot of work experience. In some cases, um, we're taking them on as you know, in- interns and they are you know, 20-year veterans. And so they're actually at like a really senior level of leadership or expertise in the thing that they do. And so our key to success on that has been to assign one-on-one mentors and help them bridge the gap between the skill set that they have, and the skill set that they need to be successful on the civil side. And we have about a 50% placement rate in that program, meaning yeah. 50% of those interns who come and spend four or five, six months with us wind up staying at the company in a full-time position. And 50%, we help outplace some other position. And generally, they have plenty of great offers. And so we're really happy about not only the social good that that program is doing, but it's been great for our business. And mm-hmm. some of our real star performers have, have come through that program.
1: You know, you really walk your talk. I mean, what you're committed to, you put action to. And, you know, I love that, Josh. I love that. How do you identify and develop leaders? I mean, you have some of the strongest leaders, um, not just in the industry, but really, I think on the planet. So how do you do it?
2: It's really hard. And we're still learning and trying to figure this out and are not successful in every instance. But it's something we care a lot about and we work really hard at. And so, unfortunately, there are no magic bullets there. <laughs> A lot, lot, lot of nose in the grindstone. And so, once you've hired great people, then, you know, I had talked before about this sort of sacred trust and leadership when you're responsible for people, you're not just responsible for their safety, but you're also responsible for their career success. And so, uh, for us, making sure that, you know, new employees have one to one mentorship opportunities, and particularly with our individual contributors, um, we sort of formalize that into an apprenticeship program. So, I think we're pretty advanced users of the, wireless TIRAP program, the oh. telecommunications registered apprenticeship, uh, telecommunications industry registered apprenticeship program. Um, Good job. You did thank it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> which allows us to have one-to-one mentors with people going through a program of on-the-job, on-the-job education and advancement. And it gets them from either sort of low skilled to skilled or sort of skilled to high skilled. Uh, so we have sev- mm-hmm. several you know, iterations of this. And we've got about 85 employees participating on the wireless side of our business. And we're in the process of launching registered apprenticeships on the fiber construction side of our business um, and expect sort of similar participation over the next year. And so we've done it both informally and sort of the sort of cultural attributes of how we develop our junior leaders into senior leaders. And we've done it formally through some structural programs where we have that one-to-one mentorship. And, you know, when I say it's hard work and there's sort of no magic bullets. like if, if I've got a problem right today where I don't have enough... You know, talent for a thing, there's literally nothing I can do about it. We've either got to pass on that opportunity or bring in a partner. And so we've said, look, talent development's a long game. And it might take one or two or three years to build and grow the person you're interested in. And every day that you don't start doing that, you're a day farther away from it. So when we started doing that three years ago, you know, it felt like, gosh, this is going to be a really long term investment. we a little company. It's going to take a really long time to have those leaders. And today, those folks are running, you know, they're foremen on teams. And so, you know, now we see the fruits of our labors. As we think about our white collar workforce, we've identified two really important skill development areas in terms of, you know, how do we think about the skill set that our leaders bring to the table, you know, in addition to just basically like how to manage work and how to take care of people. And that's in analytics and AI. Mm -hmm. And so we've partnered with the Rue Institute at Northeastern University to have a cohort of student managerial employees who will be getting a full-time grad degree in either AI or business analytics on a full scholarship, and also be employed part-time at Tilson with full benefits. So the idea is that someone who's a family person, uh, it could be sustainable. Maybe they wouldn't have replacement income, but they'd have income and they'd have full benefits for their family. And then they'd have no debt coming out of it because they'd have the scholarship on the graduate school side. And and while they're doing that, those individuals would be brought through a rotational leadership program within the company where they'll spend time and Several divisions, and then have an opportunity to really get to understand the industry and business um, from a bunch of different directions while they're getting that that other skill set. So I'm really excited about this program. Uh, That's very
1: exciting.
2: We want and build the bridges with the external partners that would be necessary to really make that happen.
1: You know, it reminds me. My kids are play baseball, so it reminds me of a baseball team you know, you, that long-term, that long view you said, and the farming of talent. So does it, I, I, I don't know, are you a baseball fan? Do you have a sports yeah, fan? Yeah, no, it, it,
2: <laughs> it's, it's exactly like that. And I wish I had a farm league that, that we could draw on. But we do view it in, in sort of that long-term development point. And, you know, while you can go and, uh, you know, look, like all the competitors hire from each other, but there's net not enough people in the workforce. And so we're, we're here to solve that problem. Like we're not only gonna win more than our fair share, Hiring the best people in the industry, we're going to add people to in the industry, and you know, focus on you know building the workforce we need to do the projects we think we need to do. And I do hear a lot of complaining in the industry about like I can't find the people I need or whatever. It's so like we don't have time for any of that. We just focus on solving the problem, which is growing the labor uh, that isn't available.
1: Hmm. Well said. Well said. What are the top three things that you look for when hiring?
2: So the first one is critical thinking skills. We really want people. Question: What's put in front of them, and who are not drones? That's hard, and we all work in hierarchical organizations. We all have strong clients that are big and structured and know what they're doing. But it's really critical from our perspective for our team members to ask that next level question and to pull the thread and to not to understand when the answer isn't the answer. The second thing is work ethic. We expect our teams um, to come in and you know do what's necessary to get the job done, and you know work ethic comes in many forms. It's not all about the gross number of hours, but it's about a shared sense of accountability for the work and doing what's necessary. And then I think you know back to our safety value, we want to make sure that our team members are team players. And so it is very common pick an industry, you know there are star players who are jerks and who don't elevate their teams, and that person has no place in our team. And so we're really looking for not just people who are really capable but people who elevate those around them. And so those are really the three things, critical thinking skills, work ethic, and that sense of team commitment and elevating their peers. Mm.
1: Josh, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Oh
2: gosh, best piece of business advice. Probably to always have more cash than you need. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a is really you, good Because you can't can't get it when you need it. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of business advice over the years. And you know, what I would say is I'd answer the question with a slightly different answer than you than you asked, which was. Be the best piece of career advice I've ever gotten. And you know, and it served me really well as an entrepreneur in, you know, sort of growth mode is to say yes a lot. You know, start start with a yes and work your way to no if you have to and and be open to the serendipity of of somebody having a really hard need and saying yes to it. So for my team members who've been most successful, several members of my senior management team, you know, have been up through the ranks and they've consistently said, yeah, I'm willing to take on something harder. I've never done that before, but yes, I'm willing to figure it out. And so Saying yes in a career and then, you know, as a business, when clients come to us and say, I got this crazy thing, I've got to get it done at this cost. And we know it's kind of impossible. And so saying yes to some of those challenges and and then being committed and and taking risks to figure those things out, I think is a sort of a similar parallel to that. Career say yes.
1: It sure is. That's one of my mottos is say yes and then figure it out. (laughs) And then be successful at it. Yeah. So Josh, let's fast forward here 10 years from now and what would you tell your younger self now that you know what you know about business leadership and career and everything? Like, what would you say to your younger self? What advice would you give him?
2: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I've learned as time has gone on, you know, has been that, you know, life is complicated and people's circumstances are different and varied, and it's hard to have empathy for someone's situation if you haven't been in it right empathy almost by definition comes from having a taste of it and understanding it and so i would go back to my unmarried childless self you know of my 20s and and say hey look like pe- people who are married and have kids have a different life than you have and have different needs and have different demands and similarly i'd go back to younger versions of myself and and try and help him understand just the complexity and difficulty of the human condition and it puts a lot in context and it helps you calibrate expectations appropriately and have empathy in in those key moments.
1: I just keep hearing, I mean, you're all about people. Tilson's all about people. I mean, right. I mean, obviously the work that you do, the mission that you're on and the greater purpose that you have, but it all, none of it can be done without people and taking care of people. Right?
2: Yeah. No, that's a fact. You know, ultimately team members, employees, they can be mobilized and believe in a mission, you know, but ultimately they have needs too. And I feel like if your business isn't built around meeting the needs of your team, then you can't have an expectation that your team's going to kind of help you achieve your mission. And so, you know, for us, again, back to that safety value, that I means taking care of people and not just physically. And what drives me in business is actually my love for leadership. And what I found is that focusing on leadership and taking seriously the sacred trust of being responsible for others has been a good business formula.
1: Mm. What is your 10 year vision? For Tilson.
2: I want Tilson to be its best version of itself, uh, which I think is a lot better and bigger than it is today. I think the industry has room for another very large competitor. And when I think about very large competitor, we could be several orders of magnitude bigger than we are today and still be pretty small and scrappy re- relative to, to some of the big guys out there. And so you know, I'd like to see Tilson be its best version of itself in that regard, which means taking on the biggest, most impactful projects. It means having, better-rounded geographic footprint. We're opening, I think, in Puerto Rico uh, late this year. And
1: Oh, congratulations.
2: Thank you. We don't have offices in Alaska or or Hawaii, but we want to go to the places like Alaska, like Hawaii, like Canada, uh, where our customers are asking us to solve problems and be able to be that one-stop shop for them to do it all.
1: Josh, this has just been incredible. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing so openly and transparently. Where can people find out more about Tilson. Um, I'm sure you're hiring, right? And we're- <laughs> we are. We are hiring.
2: We are hiring like, page? <laughs> crazy, yeah. Our, our clip right now is 35 people a month, and they can find 150 open positions at tilsontech.com. www.t-i-l-s-o-n-t-e-c-h.com, and we encourage people to apply. The caveat is that we're accepting about 1% of those applications, and so we would encourage you to be really thoughtful about you know, what the fit is on the team and not to be discouraged. You know, if one particular position doesn't work out, you know, we often have employees start with us on their second or third try um, through that process.
1: Mm. Josh, thank you so much for being on 5G Talent Talk. I mean, it's your second time and the first one was amazing. This one was amazing. And I hope that we can, can do another show. Maybe next year we'll do one more. I truly appreciate it. This has been awesome.
2: Thanks for having me and Carrie.
1: Okay. You take care.
0: Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.